Hi, and welcome to the Bluff Church Podcast. Each week we bring you the Sunday message from the Bluff Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. If you like our podcast, we'd appreciate it if you take a moment and leave a review on your favorite listening platforms on iTunes or Google Play. Your review helps other listeners find our podcast. For more information about the Bluff, we invite you to visit our website at thebluff.church or our social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Just search for the Bluff Church. If you live in the Poplar Bluff area, we invite you to come be a part of the Bluff on any Sunday at 1027 a.m. in the ballroom of the Holiday Inn. Now here's this week's message. ago, I was asked to be a dean at a church camp, and so I was getting ready. It was a junior high week of camp, 7th and 8th graders. I looked around at what other church camps were doing and found that there were some camps that were playing with this game that they would do all week long, and I read a few different groups that were doing it, and I decided, I'll do something like that, and so I took the idea and threw some thoughts with my team together and came up with a game for that week. When all the campers showed up, it was around 150 to 180 campers at that camp every year, so I assume it's probably around that many. We brought all the campers in for the first day, and we all sat down together and did the normal welcomes and how you're going to have fun and went over the guidelines Here's the rules. Don't go over there or there. Don't touch this. And, and then I told all the campers to turn to the back of their program. And on the back page of their program was a trace of my right foot. And I told all the campers, we're going to pass out pens right now, and I want everyone to write your name on that foot. So everyone got pens and everyone wrote and I said, okay, does everyone have a foot? Everyone? Okay, did everyone write their name on it? Okay, listen, here are your instructions. We're going to play a game. Number one, that foot is your soul. Number two, you only get one soul. We won't give you another one. And number three, my advice, take care of your soul. Okay, let's begin. And then we moved on. Someone else got up and started talking. All the campers were like, what do we do? What's this? What are we doing with this soul? I wrote my name on mine. Is that what we're supposed to do? I don't know. And then we dismissed everyone later, and they're like, what's going on with the whole soul? What? The kids are coming over asking. Adults are going, I don't know. I don't know. All the kids left. I grabbed 12 adults, and we gathered together while the kids were doing something else, all the campers, and I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're all going to try to get the kids to do something different with their souls. So each one of you is going to have a different role, and I want you to go out and throughout this week, just kind of, just kind of play your role out. So, so first up, uh, you, you're going to be Jesus. <laughs> you are the real Jesus, okay? You can tell campers that you're Jesus. And you can tell them that if they want 
to win the game, they need to give you their soul. Got it? And you can tell them that if they give you your soul, their soul, that you will throw a party for them, that there's going to be a party, but you don't know when it is. <laughs> Only the dean knows that, right? You get all the analogies here. And he's like, okay. And then I said, please, though, this is just my personal request. Don't convert the whole camp. You'll ruin the game. <laughs> okay, okay. Next up, um, okay. You are going, <laughs> you're going to be selfishness. So I want you to go around to the kids and tell them, hey, you know that, that foot he's talking about in the back? Yeah. You know the whole point is to keep your soul. Just make sure you, don't, just make sure you have it at the end of the You need to keep hold of it. In fact, I'd put it in a special pot spot. Why don't you talk kids into putting it under their pillow or putting it, putting it in their suitcase or doing, do something with their soul and they keep it. Okay. And you, you're gonna, you're gonna be greed. Um, I have fifty-one dollar bills here. Here we go. Okay, uh, you take that, and I want you just to buy as many souls as you can. That that faculty member really got into it. He added another fifty to it, so he was like, he was ready to go to town. He was gonna go out and buy kids souls that week. I was like, okay, now you, <laughs> you're gonna be false prophet, and. I have th this card here. It gives some ideas of where you could go with it. I just want you to make up some weird, bizarre cult thing, like some aliens from outer space. There's some ideas here. You can take it wherever you want. Just don't get anywhere close to Christianity to like, have a good divide for everyone. Let's not trick anyone. Let's just but convince them to do something with their souls in relationship to this false teaching. And you, you're going to be lust. Is that okay? <laughs> you're going to be lust, and I want you to talk the kids into giving their soul to someone that they think is really cute. Okay? So it's like, it's like tell them that that's the point of the game. You know, it's like you need to find someone that you think is like, that you'd like to go out with, you know, and give them, sneak them your soul and see if they accept it, right? So there you go. And you, uh, you're going you're to be self-harm. This might be a stretch, but see if you can talk kids into, like, destroying their soul. Like, burn it up or throw it in the trash or rip it up, shreds. Can you do something like that? He's like, I can go there. Okay, there you go. Okay, so we, have, so we had all these different roles that, kids, that our faculty was going to play that week with the kids. And then I sent them out, and they were very, pretty successful. I'm shocked. Uh, there's one boy that thought a cute girl was, girl was really cute. He comes, he, he gives her... The soul, he says, here's my soul. She, she didn't like the idea that he, she had his soul. She ripped it up. <laughs> oh, not, you talk about ripping your heart out. I mean, she literally ripped up his soul. I mean, good grief. I mean, there, there's like one kid came, he said, I got a dollar, I sold my soul to, to, to Tommy or whatever. And they're like, you, you sold your soul? So they come over and say, hey, uh, I, want, I want a dollar. Can you sell me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Wait, he has five dollars. Yeah, well, hey, that's the deal, though. You know what said a dollar? Fine. It's a do He's like buying souls from kids, and the, the game's going on. It's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Then it's Wednesday, and Jesus comes over to me. Jesus spoke to me. And Jesus came over, and Jesus said, we're in trouble. I think a lot of the campers are figuring out the game because... I have a lot of souls here. They're, I'm like, okay, okay, we'll, let's gather everyone together. We'll, we'll, do, we'll wrap it up tonight. So all the faculty get together. We all, we all come into the room. We sit down. I said, okay, 
we're going to have judgment night tonight. So I'm going to need your help. We're going to put all the campers to sleep, and we're going to wake them up in the middle of the night, and we're going to have judgment night. Yeah, don't send your kids to camp with me, I guess. Okay, we're going to have judgment night. This is what we're going to do. So <laughs> maybe I should have told the story after we had our, uh, yeah, who, I don't want to kid my kid at camp here. Uh, don't worry, I'm not in charge of this camp. Okay, but I wasn't in charge of this one. So we're like, okay, let's wake them all up. Well, we didn't have trumpet blasts, so, like in, in, so we had to use air horns. So in the middle of the night, we came in the dorm rooms, and we're like, Wah! like, it's judgment night! Everyone get up! We're like, what, what? It's judgment night! Grab, you don't have time! Let's go, go, go! We bring out all the boys and girls. We take them across the dark camp in the middle of the night. We take them into the kitchen, take them to a door that they hadn't been in before. We line them all up in this line, and then we send them in to the judgment room one at a time. First kid enters the judgment room. Giant cafeteria full of smoke, dark and light. They come in and before them were, this was this giant throne. It was actually three round tables stacked on top of each other with me sitting on the top in a chair. <laughs> Everyone was wanting to make it one table taller. I would not have it. <laughs> No, I will not go a table taller. Three is too many as it is. <laughs> and we had this white sheet that came down with the black lights on it, so it looked like this big, giant throne, and, and one mic stand. And I said, come. Come. What is your name? Alexander Johnson. I said, w what is your name? Alexander Johnson, Alexander Johnson, um, Alexander, I don't see your name here. What did you do with your soul? I lost it. <laughs> you, what did you do with your soul? I lost it. You lost your soul? I don't know you. And then my good Dean, demons <laughs> came in and they came and said ah we know what to do with this one and they took him to the back of the building where it was really dark and had him sit down all by themselves <laughs> that was the dark place <laughs> the bad place the next kid came in come come tell me what is your name Tiffany T Tiffany what Tiffany Hosmager? Uh, okay, well, I don't see your name here, Tiffany. What did you do with your soul? I gave it to Bobby. You gave your soul to Bobby? I don't know you. Dark place. <laughs> now, this continued to go on with all these kids of coming in one at a time. It moved a little faster than you'd think. It's more like a Santa Claus line here, you know. We're just trucking them through, moving them through, and then finally, one kid comes over and says, and I say, what's your name? Trent. Trent Linton. Trent Linton. Oh, I see your name written right here. What did you do with your soul? I gave it to Jesus. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And, and right next to our building, we had doors, and we swung the doors open, 
and I had the faculty that was on the other side, I told them every time the doors opened up, they need to go, yay, like there's a party. And I had popcorn and pizza, and the whole party was going on. So they're like, yay, you got to go to the party. And then we shut the door. Now, something I wasn't thinking through whenever I did this was the fact that there's kids right in that room not able to go to the party. So every single time the doors were opened up, these poor kids are going, yay. <laughs> every single time this constant stab in the back. Oh, oh, I wish I had gone. After we went through all the kids, we called it quits, sent all the kids back to bed, had them all sleep in the next day. And then we gathered that next afternoon and we just talked about the experience. A lot of great life lessons came from that. I want to show you a verse today. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. There's been a trend in pastors over the past 10 years. I think it overall is a pretty good trend. It's this, instead of preaching so much about what Christ can do after you die, let's start talking about what Christ can do while we're alive. I really like that trend. I think that, I think that that's a trend that actually might end up connecting with a lot of people, and might win a lot of people to Christ. But I am not in favor of, of completely neglecting the truth, the reality that there will be a judgment day. There will be. And I think everyone, young and old, needs to be reminded of that. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And I want every one of you to know today, every single one of us, I want you to know you will be judged someday. And that is why Christianity is so important. You need to prepare yourself for the reality that each one of us will stand before not three tables stacked on top of each other, but the great I am himself. I want to look at three words, and I want to talk about their meaning with you. The first word I want to look at is the word all, A-L-L. -L. Do you know what that word means? The word all means all. It means everyone. It means every single person, every single soul, all, for we must all appear. In fact, there are times we'll use the word all and we exaggerate it. Well, everyone goes to the mall. Well, not everyone goes to the mall. <laughs> we'll exaggerate it. But here it's not exaggerated at all. Here it is the reality, and it's like Paul 
Jesus is screaming out the reality, four words in a row, saying, no, by this all I mean all. First, Paul makes sure that he doesn't say you all. <laughs> Y'all, he doesn't do it. He says we all. He, he doesn't exclude himself. He knows that he will stand and be judged someday as well. For we must all appear. I'm in this all too. We all are. All of us will go and stand before that great judgment seat. And we will all be judged. He also says the word must. We, for we must all. It's going to happen. Every single one of us. Do you remember in the story uh, that all these campers didn't know they were really part of the game and didn't even get the whole game? In fact, I bet there's some campers that never even talked to Jesus. I bet they were at a huge disadvantage. I don't know if Jesus made his rounds and talked to one of 150 kids. But it doesn't matter. Every one of them was still going to be judged. That's the game. I bet that there were some that, that were at a big disadvantage because they had a relationship with someone who was doing something else with their soul. And the probability of them going the wrong direction with their soul was so likely. It doesn't matter. The kid was still in the game whether he wanted to or not. He was still going to be woken up in the middle of the night whether he wanted to or not. And he was still going to come and be judged before this giant set of tables. What did you do with your soul? And I tell you that this all is, is including everyone. And it is including you. Every person in this room will be judged. And the fourth word that's right next to the all, the word appear, I think that that's an interesting word. To me, it's almost a word that takes away any type of choice in the matter. For we will all appear before the throne. Every one of us to be judged. I want to look at a second word here. It's the word Christ. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. If there's one thing I did wrong in my game is I should have put Jesus up on that table instead of me. I had a lot of fun, though. <laughs> but I probably should have put Jesus up there. Because we see here that it's going to be the judgment seat of Christ. And that, my friends is very, very fair. In our country, we are judged by our peers, by people who have walked in the same type of ways that we've walked, been tempted in the same ways we've been tempted. Jesus Christ is going to be the one who sits on his judgment seat, and he will judge us extremely fairly. He will judge based from his seat as a man who has walked where we've walked. A man who knows what it's like to be tempted and knows what it's like to have sorrow. 
And it's going to be someone who's so compassionate and so for us that he gave his life as a ransom, as a sacrifice for us. Can you think of anyone else you would rather put in the just, righteous seat, judging all mankind than Jesus Christ himself? He will be the one who will look at each one of us and he will judge us based on what we've done. And I can't think of anyone else who would be more fitting to judge who actually belongs to him than Jesus Christ. If you put all of the bluff kids in the room, I'm telling you, I could spot my kids very quickly. I know what they look like. I know my kids. I bet if they were crying five rooms down, I could tell you which one is mine, especially if it's Noema. I know that cry well. <laughs> I've heard it many, many, many times before. I know my kids, and our good shepherd knows his sheep. He knows who actually belongs to him, and he's the perfect one to judge. He's the perfect one to decide this one belongs to me, and this one, I don't know them. also a person that is completely fair completely just with that divinity side of him as humans we make quick fast judgments that are sometimes incorrect we'll size someone up quickly and go yeah i think i get this has anyone seen that game show there's a game show where they interview someone on the street and then they pause and then they ask everyone what they're going to say next and the only person, the only information that they have is what they see in this video, and they, they're forced to kind of sum them up quickly and to make a quick judgment. I always think I'm really good at judging people until I watch that game. I'm always wrong. <laughs> well, how'd this person answer this question? Oh, well, they said this, of course, and they say something completely different. You're like, oh, they said that. I completely misjudged that person. But we're talking about Jesus Christ, who is completely perfect, and fair, and knowledgeable, and he's the perfect one to judge us. And then I want to look at the third word, which is the word judgment. And here the word judgment means judgment. That's what it means. The, the Christ refers to Christ. All means all, and judgment the word judgment means judgment. It's just that. One of the biggest false teachings we have today is this idea that we're going to get before our judge someday and he's going to pull out everything we've done and just kind of weigh it out and go, eh, were you mostly good or mostly bad? Has anyone ever been to a court before? Has any judge ever done that? What kind of a judge would do that? You come and stand before him and it's like, hey, uh, you were speeding? Well, let's see. How many times did you not speed? <laughs> and let's compare that to how many times you did speed. Eh, actually, you've been speeding a lot, buddy. Or, no, nah, you mostly haven't. It, what judge does this? Do you know of a judge that would do that? You know of a judge that would look at someone and go, well, you killed Bob. It looks like you did, but 
but there's a lot of people you didn't kill. I mean, I can think of like hundreds and thousands of people that you didn't murder. You only murdered this one. So when I, when I weigh it out, did you do more, more good versus bad? Or how many lies did you tell? Well, there's a lot of times you didn't lie. And, and you just weigh this out and you kind of hope that it teeters on your side instead of teeters on the other. Or you, you hope you're not like completely demonic and horrible. That's not judgment. Judgment's not based on whether or not you're mostly good or mostly bad. Judgment is about whether or not you are guilty or innocent of the accused crime. That's judgment. And what's going to happen is we're going to go before the Lord, and he's going to look down and judge, are you guilty or innocent? It's going to be a judgment. And so nothing good that you've done can overcome the fact that you're guilty. If you're guilty, you're guilty. And what our Lord will do is he will look down and go, guilty, Jesus? And he'll say, I either know you or I don't. Either I took your place on the cross or I didn't. Either I became your Lord or I wasn't your Lord. Either I'm your Savior or I'm not. And on that day, when we all stand, and I've read scripture many times. Actually, I'll be very honest, just opening up myself. I don't know. I've read times where I go, I think maybe we all have our individual judgment times. And then there's times I read scripture and I go, no, I think we're all together in it. I, 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 I don't know, but I do know each one of us is going to be judged by what I've done. He's going to look at me and go, guilty or innocent, and did you know my son? And my challenge today, I want you to know God does great things for you in your life presently today. But he also does a great work, his greatest work in saving our eternal souls from damnation. And every one of us is going to be judged. You will be judged. And my encouragement for you today is to take care of your soul. You have a soul. You only have one. You won't get another. My advice is take care of it. Win the game. Give your soul to Jesus Christ and be at that party. Let's pray together. Lord, what a good and faithful God you are. You have loved us. You loved us so much that you sent your son to die for us. We are so grateful for the good work you have done. Lord, we know the truth that every one of us is going to come and stand before you someday. We will stand before your judgment and you will look down and and you'll make a judgment by whether or not we are your servants, by whether or not we are your followers. And Lord, no one else can judge correctly but you. 
for you're the only one that knows where our heart and soul truly is. Lord, give us courage to give away our soul to the hands that can take care of it. And Lord, I pray that on that great and glorious judgment day, I pray, Lord, that we will leave nothing behind. That we won't that we won't give you a second, our second best or third best effort, but that we will go all in to follow you. We love you, Lord. And it's in your son's name that we all pray. Amen. Let's all stand together right now. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you haven't taken your soul and placed it in his hands, I'd like to ask you to come up and to talk to me this morning. And let's spend some time worshiping our God together.